maybe I should let the audience feel, hear that whole. So it's hard boiled balls hot here in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. Wanted to make sure that made the recording. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Nomad Ramblings, Conversations from the Road. Today, we get to talk to Craig about his OTR trucking training experience so far. So he's been hitting the road now for about three to four weeks, I think, and um, getting a lot of lot of miles, I mean, <laughs> coast to coast miles under his belt, and just having a lot of cool experiences. And so he brings us up to speed with how that's going and what his impression is so far of this new path that he's taken as far as being a OTR trucking full-time and and uh, still doing the Nomad thing. And then about halfway through the conversation, I got to give Craig major props for tackling this subject, which some people consider taboo. But it, he goes into and just has a, a honest discussion about the immigrant culture in the trucking community, because there is a small subset of individuals within that group that just don't want to be here in America. And they treat everybody buddy, really harshly. And uh, Craig talks about his experience with that and that how he, he thinks it's actually a legitimate problem in the United States. And he had heard about it, you know, just in the media and didn't really know much about it. But after having this firsthand experience, he's like, it's a definite issue. And, you know, we got to have better, better immigration policies to make sure that, you know, people coming in here are, are, are good folks. So it's uh, kudos to him for, for tackling that subject. And uh, I really enjoyed this conversation. I hope you do, too. So let's go ahead and dive on in. And, and thanks for thanks for tuning in. Uh, in in uh, Phoenix. Is it really? Do, do, do you want me to? Maybe I should let the audience feel, hear that whole. So it's hard boiled balls hot here in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. Wanted to make sure that made the recording because <laughs> it's important for it's important for our audience to to fully understand the uh, the nomad experience. Yeah. So what's that? What was it like? A hundred degrees when we were talking, and it was eight eight o'clock in the morning there. Yeah, like it doesn't get below. I'm looking up on the uh, the old Wonder app here. Um, it doesn't get below like like 95 degrees here in in Arizona. So it's it's 112 degrees. Dude, there's yeah. no way I could ever. Nah. Live there. There's no way. There's no way I could live there. No way. It, it's yeah. No, it's it's not. It's not okay. It's really not no. okay. Um, Humans. This is where like air conditioning and stuff like that makes it and uh, different technologies allow us to live in places that we're just not we shouldn't be living. No, I, I mean, there's no water source out here. And I don't even understand how people choose why anybody would choose actually to go outside during the daylight hours. Like, why doesn't everybody just switch to like being night owls here? Because it's not OK. Like, it's really it's really not okay. I just couldn't do that heat, man. And actually on that point, I'm going to try, uh, give me one second. I'm going to, so I turned the AC off in here. Uh-huh. Um, but that kind of, just because I didn't want the background noise, but let me, let me turn it on and see, you can give me feedback as to whether it's okay. uh, too distracting. All right. So it's, <laughs> you're just, just, just rocking out the guns just to, yeah, I was- 
I was just checking because I've been working out a bunch. So I was checking yeah. to see how the, how the, oh, how yeah, the biceps are coming along. So they're getting there. Dude. I mean, I, I've ga- I gained Dude. five pounds this week, so I've been pretty happy about that. I, uh, you know, I might have to put a co- I might have to be a, put a call into the vet because those puppies are sick. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think, um, I think we'll be, I think we'll be good with the background noise because I can do a hum reduction. And, okay. And, uh, is it, and, is it and coming through a little bit? Is it, I don't is think so. I mean, like, okay. Well, cause on my end, I've got the river in the background, so I can't really hear much. So I don't know if you can hear the oh, river okay. on my end, but, no. uh, but yeah, we're in, I think we're in good shape. All right, cool. So, um, dude, but, lots dude, to freaking talk about, huh? Yeah, yeah, totally. Tons to get caught up on on both your end and my end. I mean, we're we're both dealing with crazy crazy scenarios right now. So let's, let's but let's yeah. start with you because I I got so many questions to ask about the road and and just just tell us like what's it been like so far with your training and and what have you learned and and what and, and like what's your what's your gut feeling going forward? Uh yeah, I mean it's. It is, um, you know, I, I, I put this in a Facebook post. I, I, the, the experience, although completely different, it actually kind of reminds me of being at the off-grid monastery and just the oh, really? extremes, you know, and, and being pushed up against my physical and emotional limits. That's what I feel like right now, just with this. So, you know, I'm... I'm living in the space the size of uh, like like a hundred square foot like shoebox with another dude, and I'm living twenty four seven inside of that box with this dude, and he he's like he he's a good guy like I really actually like him, mm-hmm. but. His personality, I've, I've been trying to like figure out how to describe it. Have you ever like, I, I don't know if you're like me, but I'm, I'm actually like fairly sensitive to noise and drama. So when, when someone is on the opposite spectrum as I am, where they're just kind of like a loud, uh, somewhat dramatic person, like I get really on edge. So I'll give you an example He's the kind of person who who will drop something and say, oh, shit. And mm. and I'm like, you know, it's like a freaking cattle prod going up my ass where I'm just like, oh, what's going on? And he's like, oh, I just dropped something. <laughs> and so, you know, I'm I'm learning how to drive this 80,000 pound piece of machinery. And I'm on edge as it is because I'm trying to figure out what's going on. And. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, he'll be like, seriously? And I'm like, what's going on? Like, I, am I making a mistake? And he's like, no, like a friend just posted this thing on Facebook. And it's and I'm just like, yeah. dude, and, and, you don't everything's understand. drama. Yeah. yeah. And so that's a huge. So just in, in general, like I'm kind of a high strung person. And the whole reason why I like to be out in nature and out in the backcountry is because like, I don't like being, I am overstimulated as it is with background noises and whatnot. And so I like peace and quiet. And so here I am in a really stressful situation, trying to get my bearings and trying not to kill people nor myself and trying to learn and what have you. And I've got this person that 
is just prone to just from my vantage point, like freaking out all the time at the littlest stuff. And it, it's really, Oh yeah. And like there, there, there was this one time where we were loading up a, um, a steel coil from Gary, Indiana, and some of the equipment was not working as, 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 like it normally should be working and he starts taking it and he's banging it around. He's like this fucking piece of shit, yada, yada, yada. And, and I'm just like kind of staring. I'm like, I don't know even what I'm doing. He's like, if these things don't start working, I'm going to walk off the job. And then, oh you know, I, I don't know what I'm doing. And like, I'm the kind of person, like I, I'm going to try to do everything that I'm my power to make, to calm the situation and I kind of take ownership to it. So it just kind of is like everything feels really, really stressful and on edge because I it's this, this is all new to me. But then I've got this dude who's just like a freaking Tasmanian devil as far as like his the way that he operates. And so that's kind of the backdrop to everything that's going on in, in the training experience. And again, he is a phenomenal, he is a phenomenal teacher and he is a phenomenal truck driver, but that's just kind of the baseline that I'm working on. And so every once in a while, he'll be like, well, it just kind of seems like you got to calm. He, he's telling me this. He's like, you got to calm down. And I'm like, dude, like you don't have any idea. Like, like, and, and it's a weird situation because in a certain way, he's got authority over me, right? So I can't, I, I have to pick and choose when I'm going to stand up for myself. I can't like immediately go head to head with him and be like, all right, dude, like I got to put you in your place because you're freaking me the fuck out. And, you know, because he can actually be like, all right, get the fuck off my truck and like, you know, yeah, and yeah. and be it'd be weird like that. So I have to pick and choose my battles. But I, I do have to pat myself on the on the back. Like I've had a couple of conversations with him. I'm like, it was one one was like right after I achieved my 50 hours behind the wheel. And so he gave me a performance evaluation and he was giving me marks on like he was making comments as to like I, I need to make I need to be more decisive and I need to be more confident. I'm like, I'm like, all right. I'm like, I I'm not going to go back and forth with you on like you scoring me. I'm like, the score is the score. Like, I'm not really worried about that. I'm like, but you need to understand that the way that you communicate to me and the way that you are in general, like I, I am, I perceive you as a really impatient person. And when I'm around impatient people, that puts me on edge. Like I am kind of a people pleaser. And when I re am receiving the message that I am making someone impatient. I'm like, I freeze up. I'm like, that's just the way I am wired. And I'm like, I'm not going to fight you, but I am going to freeze up. So you might be evaluating me as being, in, you know, not having confidence on what's going on in the outside world and not being able to, to make a decision. But I'm like, what's actually happening is I'm challenged by some personality conflicts between you and I. It's not a lack of confidence. It's actually not really being able to figure out how to engage you one-on-one. -on -one. I'm totally confident with the truck. I'm like, if I have a problem, 
I'm going to say, Hey Mike, I don't know what I'm doing. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't know how to handle this situation or that. I'm going to speak up and let you know that I have an issue. But if you're like making assumptions about me not having confidence in my day-to-day operations and being able to engage this situation or that situation, I'm like, you're reading me wrong because mm-hmm. I'm actually a really, really confident person. And I have no problem raising my hand and hang saying, Hey, time out. Like, I don't know what's going on here. You need to show me what's going on. Yeah. So it's it, all in all, it's a good situation, but um, there's no doubt. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm driving around in an 80,000 pound situation and I've got, I mean, it's, it's comical. Like you're sitting up high in this big rig thing. That's going to take the distance. Like I am not going to be able to stop short on a dime. It's going to take me longer than a football field to slow down. And I've got cars zipping in front of me in and out, in and out. And you're just sitting there. You're like, holy crap. Like, I hope these people know what they're doing because I am not going to be able to slow down on a dime. And they're zipping in and out. And and you're just like, it's a totally different vantage point. And I know you know how to drive. And like, I know how to drive too. And I, I think that there's most people who spend a lot of time on the road, they have a lot of respect for truckers. But, you know, for the general population and who spend a lot of time in cities and just like are impatient, you know, road ragers and whatnot. And like, oh, this truck isn't speeding up fast enough. Like I'm going to zip around and it's nerve wracking. And um, yeah, I mean, that's just kind of the general, you know, the the overall tone of the experience being on the road, driving around in these big rigs. And then, you know, you you. People might not actually know this, but the most stressful period of time as a truck driver is actually navigating around truck stops. It is the most nerve wracking thing because you've got all these other semi trucks whipping around. We're all impatient. We're all we're all pissed off at the world, you know, like. Oh, this dude doesn't know what he's doing. Freaking rookie steering wheel holder, dude, freaking cupcake driver, not knowing what he's doing. And you're you're trying to navigate around and do these gnarly parking jobs and whatnot. And you've got everybody breathing down your neck. Mm. And it's really, 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 really stressful being in a truck stop. And and then you've got passenger cars just whipping around and whatnot. And you, it's it's. It's, it's insane. I mean, it's, it's like I said, to like compare it to the mentality of being at the off grid monastery where I'm, you know, out there in the middle of nowhere with a snowmobile, I could die at any moment, you know, under any normal circumstance. That's the way that I feel driving these big rigs. I'm like, all right, like let the cards fall where they may, because (laughs) I've got so little control over this situation and there's some really messed up crap going on around me. Um, yeah, wow. so that's kind of the the short and skinny of it. But on the on the positive side, dude, it's freaking talk about talk about freaking living life with a boner. You know, like driving those things, like those big rigs around, and like navigating it. Like, dude, I feel like the most powerful person. I feel like he man driving those things around, and it's it's fucking awesome. I I just I really really. In, in just the freedom out there, you know, when you're out there on the open road and you're just looking around, you're like, I'm actually getting paid for this. 
And, <laughs> yeah, it's um, got to be the coolest feeling. Yeah. Man. Oh my god! And then you know, like, in, in in I definitely see the light at the end of the tunnel. No pun intended. You know, when when I get my own truck and I'm able to control the inside of experience inside of the truck a lot more than you know the some of the personal things going on between Mike and I, my trainer. It's going to be awesome. You know, you like you and I. We we know how to dial in on the organization front. We know how to dial in on the minimalism front. Like we know what we need and we don't need. Like we've been training ourselves. So I know I'm going to be able to pimp that ride so well once Dude. I get my own truck and like dial it in. And once I get Rue in there and then the whole Rue conversation is another. I mean, that's that's another yeah. you know, hour long conversation in and of itself. But um yeah, yeah. yeah. Why, mean, don't, why, don't, why don't we do an entire episode about that? Because I'd love to chat about that. Yeah. No. I mean, it's uh, yeah. It's it's freaking bonkers. Um, yeah. And then I mean, I and yeah, I I I've got all these little mini anecdotes, but I'll I'll leave it there if you want to uh, if you want to uh, pepper me with with individual questions and what have you. But it's 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 nuts and awesome at the same time. Yeah. Gosh, dude, what a crazy experience so far! And I, 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 yeah. I would imagine, I would imagine learning all of the, the procedures and the, the checklists. And I mean, I don't even know what they're called, but I would assume that's what they're called. Just to get your rig ready to go for the day, and have yeah. your paperwork in order and all that stuff too. You got to probably have a whole different level of respect for the trucking industry to be like, man, this, this is, this is like making our country go, because trucking is what gets the products around. It's not. I mean, airplanes, yeah, they deliver stuff, but the majority of it's trucking, right? There's no, yeah, I mean, there's no doubt about it. I mean, this, it is really, really hard. I mean, the, because the, the amount of regulation that's in place for the trucking industry, the, the bureaucratic hoops that I have to jump through, like, yeah, I have a, I have what's called a pre-trip that I need to do. It's like, it's like a 150 point inspection of the truck every day that I need to do and I'm responsible. So if I get pulled over and an officer identifies that, you know, a light bulb is out, like I'm the one who takes the fall. It's not the company that takes the fall. So the, the pressure that you feel to have everything perfect is enormous. And then even outside of inspecting your truck, the, the amount of regulation that defines how I need to spend my time and document my time is absurd. And it, it it's so stressful. So they, what they, to try to give you a sense. So there, so you have 24 hours in a day and the way that the trucking industry breaks up your hours of service is you have off duty time, you have sleeper birth time, you've got on-duty time, and then you have driving time. So I am, once I go on duty, my 14-hour clock for the day starts, and I cannot stop that 14-hour clock. Within that 14-hour period, I am allowed to drive for 11 hours, 11 hours only. So You know, I can choose to go on duty and drive for eight hours, then take a I could take a maximum of uh, three hours break 
and then drive for another three hours. So that would complete my 14-hour clock, and it would complete my 11-hour clock, my 14-hour on-duty clock and my 11-hour driving duty clock. And so if I, if I wanted to, you know, like let's say I start my 14-hour clock on duty, and then I'm driving, and I'm like, you know what? I'm really tired, and I'm seeing that the traffic isn't working out. I'm just going to go ahead and sleep for five hours And then I'll finish out my, and then I'll be able to drive. No, I don't get to do that. I don't get to use that Mm -hmm. kind of common sense. Once my 14 hour clock stops, I can't renegotiate and say, you know what? I'm getting into rush hour traffic. I'm going to take a break for five hours. And then I don't get to do that. So Mm -hmm. the, the intention of the law to prevent me from getting tired, it, there, there, there's some rash, there's some common sense behind it, but you don't get like the, it's, it's, it's the classic government story, right? Where the intention of the law might be good. It might, there might be a, a, a really justifiable reason, but in the execution of the law and the little details of it, it all gets yeah. screwed up and, and there's no room for error. There's no room. So another example would be like, let's say my, 11 hour clock driving clock is winding down. Let's say that I'm a half hour from my terminal, from my destination, from home, but I only have 15 minutes left on my driving clock. I have to stop. I can't, I can't finish out my drive. I can't make it home. So I'd actually have to pull over on the side of the road, put my hazards on and wait for my clock to reset. I'd have to wait 10 hours, even if I was just 15 minutes my destination. Oh, that is brutal. That is brutal. Oh, so you you really are are like watching where you're at and keeping track of your time. And I mean, it's got, that that is going to make you a Jedi master when it comes to like time management on the road and figuring out, okay, this is so much time I need to get here and here, you know, taking these variables and all that stuff, because that's one thing I don't have, man. I just get there when I get there. (laughs) No, no. And I, I, and I don't have that choice. And it's like another thing is the lack of truck uh, truck stop parking lots and, um, and then just regular rest areas. So I'm starting to learn that like, if I like, let's say it's approaching five o'clock in the afternoon, five o'clock in the evening. And I have, let's say four hours left on my driving clock. But what I have to take into consideration is when my, like, let's say I can drive for another three or four hours. Am I going to be able to find a parking spot? to go off duty for my 10 hour reset. Hmm. If I can't answer that with confidence, I have to cut my day four hours short and park right there. And that's a real, that's a real problem. And it's a real stressor and that that affects my income. And it's, again, you get back to like the spirit of the law of these hours of service. There was good intention behind it, but the the net effect is it actually sometimes makes you it makes you lose money number one often and number two it makes you make bad decisions because let's say like oh i'm a little bit tired um it'd be better if i took a little nap right now but i need to make the best because my 14 hour clock and my 10 hour clock have already started my 11 hour clock have already started so i need to push through like being tired, screw it. I, I need to finish out what I, I can't take a three up. Oh, you just disappeared. 
Yeah. So I, you know, the point that I was making with, you know, it's five o'clock, I have four more hours on my drive clock, but I might not actually be able to find a truck, um, uh, a parking spot for the truck. So I have to make a decision, even though I have four hours of drive time left. And even though I make my money based on it, the most, most, uh, long haul truckers make their money. Um, it's like a cents per mile. Um, so if my wheels aren't moving, I'm not making money. So the, the spirit of the law is to prevent tire driving and, and people to abuse that system and what have you. The, the application of the law, it, it leaves me at 5 p.m., even though I can make a lot more money with four hours, I often have to park my vehicle because I'm not going to be able to find, I know I'm not going to be able to find a parking space for the truck. Even though I have four more hours to drive, typically all the trucks, uh, the um, but parking spaces for the trucks get filled up um, early in the evening. And so I have to make a decision to cut my day early because I'll be breaking the law if I go any, any, any further past nine o'clock. And I'd have to do that to find a parking spot. So it's really, you know, you made a comment earlier in the conversation that the the truck drivers are, you know, are the supply chain workhorses for the country and the country would break down. And we take a lot um, on the chin for that. And we take, you know, we were, we're you know, heroes in, a, in, in one sense. We get the short end of the stick so often. Um, because of these regulations and um, the conditions, and you know, the uh, another um, uh, slice of that uh, idea is that there there is truck drivers do have a bad stigma out there. Like like Walmart used to allow nationwide truck drivers to park in their parking lots. There are a few small bad actors within the truck driving community that have trashed Walmart parking lots. And so now Walmart is more and more often not allowing trucks to park there. And then you have communities, also towns and what have you, that look poorly upon truck drivers and they don't allow parking within their um, their towns. And so it's really, really challenging. And I don't I don't want to paint, you know, truck drivers on a whole like we're all awesome. There are a few small bad actors, you know, there, there are people that abuse a lot and, but it, it is becoming more and more difficult um, for truck drivers to find places, safe places to park um, safe, meaning legal and safe, meaning safe. And so it's, it's really challenging. I mean, it, there, there's no doubt about that, that, it, that it is really, really challenging. And then, you know, I, uh, in some of the messaging and the conversations that I've had going back and forth with you, I am starting to get an interesting vantage point of the um, increasing immigrant population that is driving. That's been a really, really interesting eye opener for me. And I, there's a lot of nuance in it, um, but I, I think I can have a, a really. My eyes have been open to. There, there is, I don't, I, I'm, I would not describe it as a majority, 
but I would describe it as a significant minority of truck drivers, the immigrant community that are truck drivers that have no interest at all in um, adopting a grateful attitude for the work opportunity and the, you know, and if I, I kind of feel like I'm part of a, a community that does provide a really great service to the country. And I also feel like I'm getting my eyes open to the details of the industrial powerhouse that is the United States. You know, so I'm going around to all of these individual manufacturers and picking up their products and I'm delivering them to other workhorses within the United States. So, for example, I'm picking up step decks that are manufactured in the U.S. and step decks being the um, equipment that can be put on the end of a truck that can lift heavy goods from the ground to the tailgate of, of the truck, you know, so I'm okay. delivering these from the manufacturers and I'm delivering them to the, uh, manufacturers of trucks. So that what they'll do is they'll buy truck chassis and they'll build them to order for whether it's a utility company or whether it's like a landscaping company, they'll be ordering these step decks to build to custom order whatever a, a, uh, an end user might want. And so it's really interesting for me to see these endpoints along the supply chain. You know, another product that I'm delivering is, you know, I, I'm delivering the base vans from the, the Mexico border in Laredo, Texas. I'm delivering the vans to Winnebago, you know, for them to do the conversions oh. for van lifers. Um, That's cool. Another product... Yeah. And another product that I am delivering is uh, processed steel in its raw form. Um, So I'll deliver uh, processed steel to a a car manufacturer, you know, so they'll they order steel from Gary, Indiana to manufacture whatever it is that they want to manufacture. So it's it's a really eye opening thing for me as the distributor, as the um, distribution arm of that, it's kind of like, wow, there's some really cool stuff going on in the United States on the manufacturing front. And there's a sense of uh, pride and like, I'm part of the, the system. Like, yeah, you know, everybody worked together to help each other work and provide services and what have you. And so you know, when I interact with other truckers, I don't, I don't consider myself a, like a really patriotic person. Like I, I, I'm not a, a, by no means am I an American basher. Um, but I, I feel like it's important for me to remain humble and to to remain grateful. So I prefer those attitudes over being proud. Um, for me, that's just maybe it's a semantics, but like I want to keep myself um, I want to keep myself in check. But all that said, I do take pride in the work that I'm doing right now. Like I'm moving 
stuff from point A to point B. I'm seeing people work really hard. I'm seeing some cool stuff done. And, you know, go America, go team. And so getting back to this idea of um, the immigrant culture within the truck driving community, there is a small but significant fraction of the immigrants that they don't, they, they don't have, I don't have that experience of like looking them in the eye as I'm passing them in the truck stop and just that head nod, like, Hey, we're in this together. Like, be like, you know, go bro. Like, I don't know you, but I know how much you bust your ass. Like we're on the same team, just kind of that friendly brotherhood. Mm-hmm. They, they don't hold the door open for you. You know, they don't smile at you or like, Hey, how's it going? They have their, um, their own flag, you know, whether it's a Russian flag or a Ukrainian flag or whatever it is, you get the sense that they don't, they don't care about you as a fellow truck driver. And you don't get the sense that they are on your team. Um, and that's, that's a really different um, experience for me. And it's, again, it's like, I don't, I never had the mindset that everything was puppy dogs and roses with all immigrants, but I certainly never had a hostile view of immigrants either. Um, when, before I got into trucking. And again, I think it's really important to also identify that the majority of immigrant truckers, they, you see a lot of them, they, they put American flags on their trucks. They, they're choosing to have American flags as their mask. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll have their mask. There was a situation the other night, and this was actually in the wake of the conversation or, or during the conversation, the last um, extended conversation I had with you. So there was a, fat, uh, a fatality accident a couple of days ago that I got stuck in. And so, um, you know, the truck drivers are pulling over and what have you. And there was, there was uh, five trucks in a row, and one of them was a um, – he, he had a very thick accent – my guess was that he was either Pakistani or Indian. Then you had myself and Mike, and then you had this the uh, this veteran trucker um, who was from New Hampshire. And the three of us were just bullshitting out in front of our trucks. And I think that 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 immigrant trucker was a representative of the vast majority of trucking immigrants, where he. He did. He was like, I'm 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 part of the crew, you know, like we're we're out there. We're talking. We're relating to each other. We're calling each other bros. So that is, I think, an example of an awesome immigrant who is working his ass off and who is wanting to be a part of the culture. And he's sharing stories with, you know me being the whitey, you know, and, and the other truckers being the whiteys, but it doesn't matter. Right. We're all brothers. And, and, um, but I, 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 I raise this as a subject of conversation to, 
to identify, I guess I'm, I'm a little bit, I feel like I'm a, I'm a little bit better informed about the reality that there is an immigrant. There's a fraction of the immigrant community that comes to this country that is very standoffish, that doesn't seem to want to contribute to improving this society. And I, I don't, it, it's hard for me to trust them, right? So if someone isn't going to hold the door for me, if someone isn't going to look me in the eye and just give me a head nod, if someone doesn't want to do the small little niceties and, you know, if someone doesn't want to like let me pass in front of them, you know, and, and show some etiquette and manners, it's, it's easy as a fellow worker in the industry to be, well, like screw that guy, you know? And like, like, why should I want to help them if they're not going to help me? You know, if, if that, and I, you know, I, I feel like I'm treading on really dangerous ground here, but I, I, I know that you're going to be really receptive to the conversation. And I think a vast majority of our listeners are going to be receptive to it. It's not a white and black thing, but I'm, I'm understanding the, some of the animus, some of the animosity that some people within the working community, the, the blue collar community, especially looking at the, um, at the small majority, a minority of immigrants who are really not friendly and not I, like, like, let's just be nice to each other. You know, like, let's have yeah. like, we don't need to be like all pro America, like get, get American boners, but let's just be, uh-huh. let's just be nice to each other and polite to each other. And if not, then things kind of fall apart from there. I don't know. What yeah, are your thoughts? I- no, I, I totally agree with you, and and I think it's interesting to get that firsthand experience, to get that firsthand exposure to it, because you you know you see a lot of people online, and and there's a wide varieties of opinions, but some people are in the, the opinion of well, everybody that comes here has the has the has their has everybody's best interest at heart, and it's like no, everybody's still human. Like there's good yeah. people that are Russian, and there's bad people that are Russian, and there's good people that are Pakistani, and bad people that are Pakistani. Just because they're of a certain nationality doesn't doesn't make them like suddenly perfect or not perfect, like everybody's flawed and every, I feel like every, um, society has that. And I think the cultural, um, uh, challenges of that, uh, you know, just, just maybe the, the button heads that you're coming up against. I think that stuff's interesting. Like, I, yeah. I think it's interesting to have that sort of experience someone, cause I want to know how that person's wired. And, and I, I think that's one thing I've gained from travels like this is like, you'll meet people and people like you've got a lot of people that are in the same scenario trucking. Y'all are facing the same issues. You've got the same regulations. Yeah, I would imagine your work days are somewhat similar in the, at least the startup and the process. And, you know, there's some, there's a little bit of structure to it. So you all have that together. But then you have these people that want to be outside of that and not associate with that group. But they're part of the group. And I don't I've never understood that. You know, the people that want to do that. And it, 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 it's almost like they go out of their way to shun the, the majority as like a way of, creating an identity for themselves. And it's strange because it's like, that's hardship. That's exactly it. I mean, that's what it feels like is that they're going out of their way to, it it feels like a middle finger is what it feels like. Yeah. Is it, it just feels like, like I'm, 
I, yeah, I get to take an opportunity and have this job and, you know, I, it's like, you've got a direct job with it, but then you're also delivering to these different manufacturing ends and production ends and service ends of the country. And they're going out of their way to give a middle finger to it all. And they, they want to, they're purposely choosing not to be a part of the group. Right. And they, they are purposely like they, they want to create their own. It seems like they want to create their own group within the country, if that makes any sense. Or they, again, this is a perception thing. And this is how I'm seeing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's uh, to me, that's, that, that's, when I see people that act in that manner, I wonder what's the hidden agenda. You know, exactly. I think, okay, what's motivating them to act like that? And I don't want to be conspiratorial or, or um, just wondering, you know, what what everybody's up to because I don't I don't spend time doing that. But when I see somebody like you said, like they're intentionally going out of their way to not be a part of the group to to give you the middle finger and all that stuff, and it's like, why are you here? That's yes. what I always wonder. It's like, yeah. why is that? Okay, if 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 you hate it so much, why don't you go do something else that you like? You know, and, and, and there's always going to be those those tiny, tiny bit of, bit of people that are just assholes. But that doesn't sound like that's what this is here. It sounds like it's a cultural thing. And I don't it understand. It. Yeah, no. Be- and, and that's and that's what it feels like. It doesn't it doesn't feel like it doesn't seem like it's a smaller like the these are just, um, you know, separate. You know, individual discrete things. It does seem like a cultural thing because they'll. You see them in the truck yards. They're congregating together. You see them at the, you see them where you're picking up things and dropping things off. They're, they're giving the head nods to within each other. They're little groups. But then it's like, oh, like, what am I, am I, oh, so you guys get to make fun of me? Like, even though I'm doing the same job as, as you are. And like, it just is not something is off. And, um, I, I want to be, so, you know, you, you and I have had this discussion before, like I, and I, I don't want to get into like the particulars of like Democrats versus Republicans and whatnot. And I, I, I do not, I don't like Donald Trump and I I don't even want to go down that road, but I feel like the conversation I need to have is with my fellow lefties, my fellow tree huggers and saying like, like, dude, like this immigrant issue is a real one in this, like this, the, the things that a lot of people, both left people and right people are talking about as far as some of the issues with it, with, with our immigration they're real and they need to be addressed and for discussion for, for their being for the dominant discussion to be just open our borders and let the immigrants in like, no, like that's not okay. Like we need to be having, we need to be having the discussion on the left side of the spectrum as well as to what the right solution is. And the right solution is not to just, because there, there are issues like, What's being talked about within the blue class, uh, blue collar community, th- this isn't just bigotry 
and racism. There, mm-hmm. there is a cultural problem that needs to be discussed, and it, we need to be we. It, it needs to be okay to discuss these things without right, being without, labeled. With, exactly, that's the problem that I see is when people bring it up, they're immediately it's the cancel culture. And I, I had somebody try to cancel culture me the other day saying that I, that I've never, that I never talked to anybody that has views other than mine, that all I do is insulate myself and silo myself. And I'm like, I host a podcast with a guy that has opposite views of me. Right. <laughs> he's one of my right. best, he's my best friend. Like, right. You, you don't know, like th- these assumptions that people make. And I told her, I go, isn't that, isn't that sad that your talking points led you down that point that led you down that assumption? Because that's not true. That's not who I am at all. I like, I'm totally, I love talking about stuff that's different than what I think. Cause that gives me an opportunity to, to learn or at least, figure out the point of view of what somebody else is coming from. But when they, when they come at you with that cancel culture, you can't even talk to those people. Like I tried to talk to her and all she was was like, you're insulting me. You're this or that. I'm like, you're so, you're so trapped in your mind that you can't see anything else around you. And it's unfortunate because like you're, you, you're getting real world experience. You are firsthand experiencing the issue that other people have expressed in the past. And you're seeing like, Hey, there's, there's, there's an element of truth to this. It's very real. This isn't just a made-up thing from right-wing white people that are racist. It's not, that's not what it is. This is actually something that's facing Americans, and it's going to be really important going forward that those people are going to be shitting on the job that they have when there's other Americans that don't have a job. That's going to be the, they really need to be careful about that because people are going to say, "Well, then get the hell out." But you know, all these scenarios, it's interesting because like, you know, on my background growing up, just to kind of like on the on the flip side of it, you know, I grew up in such a conservative environment, but now I've immersed myself in a liberal environment and I can see both sides of the coin and I can see that like, oh yeah, the, the assumptions that the, the conservative people made about liberals were wrong. But then I, the assumptions that liberals make about the conservatives were wrong, you know, and then right. the, the assumptions people are making about the immigrant community, there's a part of it that's wrong, you know, like, like I think, I think what it is is, I mean, people are so siloed right now; they won't even consider another point of view, whether it's whether it's completely accurate or even partially accurate. They won't, they won't even give it a sliver of consideration. Yeah, it's really, um, it's really upsetting. And I, I sent you those two podcasts. I don't know if you got a, a chance to listen to them, but the the two brothers, you have Brett, uh, Brett and Eric Weinstein, and and. Those I'll, I'll post them into um, into the Facebook group for letting other people. But I I cannot tell you how refreshing those conversations were because it, it was like they they were having the forbidden conversations, and I, I feel like this is like oh, one, a awesome. forbidden conversation, right? Where it's mm-hmm. like it's not it, it, we we need to be able to we 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 can't be victim and held hostage to these small little sound bites that people extrapolate to these horrific ends. We, we need to be able to have these more long form, uh, nuanced conversations and, that I, I see is the it's interesting. So one of the um, and this kind of ties back into our last podcast episode where, you know, we were talking. I was I was talking about, you know, some of my frustration about the 
inclination for the the conservative side of the spectrum to instantly label anything that was coming out of a news organization as fake news and and um, you know uh, mainstream media yada yada yada. So um, the the podcast episode that that came from uh, Eric Weinstein, his podcast is called The Portal. Um, he used in a, an, a really cool expression. Um, he he describes main what I would call mainstream media. He describes them as legacy media because, and I think that that's much more accurate because you've got these legacy media outlets like NBC, ABC, Fox, CNN, MSNBC. Those are legacy media. I think you've got much more media that is coming through written sources and, and podcasts. These are newer media sources, right? Where you've got individual journalists that are able to disseminate their findings um, through a whole bunch of different media outlets right now. So it's, it's not mainstream media, it's legacy media. And I, I think that that's much more accurate um, to, to define the problem. Legacy media is the problem. And you do have a lot more new media that comes out. I, I, and I also did see that exchange on your Facebook page with that one person that was, uh, it was so weird, man. Like I, my, my takeaway from the original post was like, it was much more tongue in cheek of just like, Dude, people are yeah. batshit crazy, you know, like, yeah, totally. like posting their stuff. Like, like, like you're not going to change anybody's mind with Facebook. Like, you know, go, go do something else. And then people were like taking issue with you. Like, oh, dude, you're like a white supremacist for saying that. And it was just yeah. not so. And yeah. um, I did see that. And I just, part of me wanted to like, you know, come in there and start swinging. Um, but then I was just like, I, I don't need that trauma in my life. I got too much going on to, to, yeah. to get into that. So I was like, and I'm like, Brian's doing fine on his own. <laughs> I was, I was just being a smart ass. Cause I was, I was like this post, this whole post is just in jest. It's just about making fun of, uh, you know, people yeah. that think they're actually going to sway someone's opinion. So I was like, I was kind of being a smart ass in my responses, just like getting her riled up. And I was like, good Lord, I should, I shouldn't have done yeah. that. I should have just been like, yeah, I just wish you the best, but whatever. Yeah. It's just crazy. It's just crazy. Cause people nowadays, I think too, just with how everyone's so ramped up about stuff. I mean, I think this is the beginning of a long process of people being very guarded to the point to where they're not open to any new ideas. They're not open to any new discussion. They're going to stay in their own little world. We're already seeing it right now. I mean, look at the way social patterns have changed when i'm at the grocery store i don't care if i have a mask i try to say hi to everybody i'm like yeah. i'm not changing yeah. I'm, I'm smiling hey what's up everybody how you doing you yeah know, like, it's great yeah. out there i'm going hiking it's just awesome i'm like i'm living life i'm not gonna sit here and live in fear okay yeah there's, and there's something there. There, and there's something hot about a woman you know with a mask well, you know and you just see your eyes you know what i'm saying yeah i know you're, <laughs> you know what I'm the one you're like something seductive yeah. like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. I, know. I know and you can tell they're smiling with their eyes and they're checking yeah, you out totally. yeah, yeah i kind of dig it <laughs> yeah well and that's one thing too is you can definitely check out girls you can be a little bit more honest about the scope because you got like that mask over so they're like what you is that? And if you got a hat on you can, uh, put it low. You can be I real know. incognito about that rubbernecking but I uh know. but yeah but you know it is it is too bad though because you know you see it right now and and you see a lot of people, it's funny, uh, people that I thought would be cool or not. And then people that aren't, that I didn't think would be cool or are, are totally cool. I'm like, wow, I've really mis, mis, misjudged some people during this yeah. whole pandemic thing. But it's just, 
you know, it's just the way it is. And I think that my, my plan going forward is just keep doing what I'm doing. Just stay away from people, stay at these remote campsites, stay out of sight, just work on my truck, um, hang out with Sierra and just continue making content. No, I think your plan is, is awesome. And I, um, I, you know, being in the trucking industry and whatnot, like all, like, I don't, I don't know. I just get a lot of satisfaction, you know, like I, I, Mm -hmm. I I keep on relating it to, um, you know, the off-grid monastery experience just in there's, there's the physical work that is involved in it and the extremes of it. Like I, I just, there's so much satisfaction. Like, I feel like I'm doing something. I feel like I'm part of something. I'm, I feel like I'm, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know how to describe it other than like, I have, I have a good fight to fight, you know, like I have a good mission. Like it's a bit, and it's a very clear mission, you know, like I, the, the work that needs to be done. And then I do like the trucking culture. I mean, I, I, I certainly see there are certain things within the, the trucking sub world subculture that, I don't care for, and I don't want to be a part of, but there are certain things that I do like being a part of. Like I do like being the guy who's, who's using, you know, my lights to signal the etiquette, you know, how, you know, you use lights mm-hmm. to say you like, yeah, go ahead. And, yep. Yeah. And yeah, you're like, I like that kind of stuff. Um, I, I definitely, I like giving the head nods and whatnot going in out, out of, like, I don't know. There, there's just kind of like, I, I feel part of a good group, you know, that, yeah. um, on a whole is busting their ass, you know, and, um, just, you know, it's almost like being within the nomad culture, you know, where you see another trucker, you know, a pickup truck camper and you're like, you don't even need to have a conversation with that person. Right. Yeah. You just, you just like, know, you, you just know, like there's, there's yep. a lot in that eye contact. And I, I feel the same way with certain truckers where I'm just like, like, dude, you don't even need to say anything. Like, I know exactly what's going on in in your world, you know. And like, I I feel that with um, mm-hmm. with the work that I'm doing, and like, whether it's at a truck stop, a rest stop, or and then you've got also like you've got the total douchebags where you're just like, dude, you are you 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 need to just go away. You, you need to just you know pull the ripcord. Stop doing it because you're doing it wrong. And and we don't <laughs> need you a part of this. Yeah. 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 And um well, it's you know, just the same can be said within people. Right. Yeah. 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 It just sours everything. You're just like, what are you doing yeah. here? Just it, it creates like an uncomfortable vibe and then you start second guessing them and you, and it's like that's not a comfortable position to be in. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And I I mean here yeah. I am at the uh the quality in in um in Phoenix, Arizona, you know, and it's freaking, it's, it's balls hot out there. It's hotter than it's hard boiled balls out hot out there. And it's, um, I, I feel like I'm living in like a king, you know, I'm here, yeah. here I am in this, you know, dingy freaking hotel room. And I'm like, dude, freaking gangster <laughs> high rolling. Like, yeah. <laughs> gonna get some pizza, gonna order the movie. <laughs> yeah, dude. I'm freaking like, I'm, I'm, there's an in and out burger right right over there. Oh, I'm like, dude, nice. I'm gonna I'm gonna make love to that burger later on. I'll tell you oh, that much. Dude, I, 
so when I lived in Southern California, when I was in Orange County, there was an In-N-Out burger that was about four miles from my place. And dude, every Saturday and Sunday, if I was like hungover or if I went out and party the night before, I would be at In-N-Out burger when they'd open at like 1030 in the morning because I just skip breakfast and I'd be like, I go there and I get like the double, double animal style with like yeah. eggs on it and everything. And I'd eat that and I'd literally go to sleep for six hours. Uh, yeah. It was, it was everything, awesome. everything would be better afterwards. Oh yeah. Yeah, you wake up yeah. and you're like, oh, I feel great. Yeah. Oh. Get a little snack, yeah. go back to bed. So. No doubt. Yeah. So where, and, where's, uh, the, where, where, where's the where's uh, the where's the next stop for you guys after you? Yeah, I, I, I don't even know. So so the truck went into. There's a Swift terminal here, and um, the truck went into the shop to get serviced, um, oil change, brakes, and and yada yada yada. So it's not clear what our next load is. Um, but once we have uh, a set time that the truck will be ready, um, then we'll be able to talk to our dispatcher and be like, all right, dude, what's next? Um, so oh, I, I, don't, I don't, yeah, I don't know where. And that's kind of, you know, it's kind of interesting, but it's also kind of annoying. You know, you and I were going back and forth as to, you know, when we would be able to record. And you're like, yeah, if you can give me a couple days notice, like that, that help out. And I'm like, I, I don't know what I'm doing next hour, you know, let alone next day. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah that's that's just kind of the nature of the beast um as to i i don't know what's next and, and where we're gonna go um all i know is i got i, I got i got ac i got ac i got a shower like dude i'm nice. big pimping as far as i don't care i'm i'm living in the moment yeah <laughs> soak it up man yeah uh, well i was gonna i was gonna ask if you're if you're around tomorrow tomorrow morning if you have any time at all we could do another one uh, but I don't know what, what your repair schedule is like. Yeah, no, I, and actually I should be able to do it. Yeah. So, yeah, because I want to I, I actually want to spend a lot of time. Talk, I mean, we can we can talk about uh, Rue um, yeah, and, and, and bring everybody up to speed because there's there's a lot going on with that. But I want to really I want to pick your brain about the forest fire situ- situation going on. Um, mm-hmm. and, but I also want to like. Like you keep on raising your game more and more with your video production and your content creation. And I, I, you know, I, I would actually love to find a way to collaborate. I know you've done a good job in promoting me and whatnot with my, my video channel. And I, I want to do a better job getting stuff out, but like, dude, I almost want to like, I almost want to like hire you to fucking sit shotgun in my Uh truck and like, like I, I want to like make a movie with you, and like I think you're actually at that point where I, I, I think your video production is at a level where you can start. If you wanted to, you could start commanding big money to do like extended assignments and make movies about other people, and um, yeah. I'd love I, to that. And, yeah. and, and dude, I've, I've been getting hit up like crazy from companies lately, like sponsorships just through the roof. Uh, last month I had 3000 in, in sponsorships on top of everything else that I'm doing with YouTube and everything That's else. And it's just like, so awesome. Yeah. And then I've got six companies that have hit me up for September just in the last week. And they're all big companies. Like, you know, uh, there were companies that are only like on the same level as like the Ridge wallet, which we got, which we'll be having on here as a sponsor as soon as we get that stuff in the mail. And so you know, it's just like, it's kind of weird because like you you see this stuff happening and and you kind of like it comes across and you're like, I came I got an email from from them like that person that company is noticing me like you just don't you never think it's gonna happen 
you know, and there's no training for this. Like it doesn't, there's nothing that prepares you for like, I'll sit up at night and think about it. I'm like, well, how did I get in this spot? You know, <laughs> this happens to other people. It doesn't, it doesn't happen to me, but, but it's, uh, it's, it's awesome. I love it. And I love the creative side of, of doing those videos. So yeah, I'd love, I'd love to chat about that tomorrow. We could, we could start out talking about Rue, uh, bring everybody up to speed what's going on him and then dive into that stuff if you want. That's perfect. Yeah. And I, I mean, it doesn't, Brian, it doesn't surprise me at all, you know, that, that you're, oh, you're starting you. to take off. Yeah. No, it doesn't surprise me. I, I, I saw this coming well over a year ago. You know, you and I were having conversations on this podcast and what have you. Like I, I knew it was there, you know, you were, awesome, you were man. like, you know, my parents are telling me that I should, you know, stop messing around and, and, you know, get back to work. And I'm like, dude, you are just about to take off. Like I knew it was coming. So and yeah, it's like you it was, earned it. it, it, it you earned it. <laughs> Thanks, man. It's it hard to keep the faith sometimes during that because, like, you, know, you just keep plugging and plugging and plugging, and sometimes it doesn't seem like it's going anywhere, you know. And then it pops, and you're like, "Holy shit!" And then you, I, I now I'm thankful, like you know, like Joe Rogan and all those guys talked about, it, like you're thankful for the hardship. Like I'm thankful for that because it makes me really thankful for what's happening now. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's exciting, well, man. It, I'm really, really, really stoked. Yeah. So let's, let's tear into that. Um, and I, I, you know, I want to be able to milk this, uh, this, this luxury hotel thing that I got going on for, for all. Yeah. So if, um, you know, if, if you, I can, I can wake up early tomorrow morning, whatever time you think will work. Um, and okay. um, yeah, let's get, yeah. Cause there's a lot, a lot more to be spoken. Yeah, definitely. Okay, well, I'm free all morning. The only thing I got going on the rest of the day today is I'm doing that Patreon-only podcast at 6 p.m. And then after that, just, you know, stuff around campus in the morning, I'm, I'm available whenever. So whatever time cool. you want to get up and start start cranking, you let me know because I'm an hour ahead of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds, sounds good. All right, cool, dude. Man. Well, good good catch up. Good. Um, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see if we get any feedback. If we if we get canceled yeah. by anybody for, yeah. for for daring to have that conversation, yeah. you know, I if someone cancels us from the real world experience and the honest uh, assessment that you gave, then that's that's okay with me. That's a I mean, that's a badge of honor. Yeah, yeah, because those people, unfortunately, I just don't think they can be reached at this point. So, well, but, and uh, I, yeah, you know, and, and if they want to, if they want to cancel, I invite them to come out in the truck with me to experience yeah. it. You know, for for themselves, I. Come, come take a ride. Come take a yep. ride with, with, uh, with Craigie and I'll, I'll show you what I'm yep. talking about. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Proof's in the pudding. <laughs> so. Yeah. All right. All cool, right, man. Dude.